Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin on Twitter. Joining me today, a real-life ghoul, Greg, at Banana Morse. What's up? Matt at No Pit Stops. Well, I'm not a ghoul? I don't. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm the only Yeah, ghoul. I think that's supposed uh, to be an insult. Yeah. And uh, for the last time, read at MF underscore read. The last time? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, get we'll get to that. There. We'll get to that in a little bit here, Reed. Uh, thank you for joining us. Tweeted this- truck stops, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us on this spooky week. Uh, I've got some fun stuff for you today. We'll do some trick-or-treating around the Pac-12 this season. We'll recap all of the Pac-12 games that went down this weekend, and we'll make our predictions for the week, as we normally do. But first, a programming note. Shooter Hoops is back. Uh, that's right. We're back on our Pac-12 basketball bullshit. We are dropping a preview on Tuesday, November 1st. We're doing a recap of everything that went down last year. We're going through some of the biggest storylines for this year. We're making some predictions for Pac-12 champs, coach of the year, player of the year, on and on and on and on. So whether you're a Pac-12 basketball casual, you're a diehard, you're trying to get into it, uh, tune into that and let us know what you think. That drops again Tuesday, November 1st. Uh, starting then, we're going to go weekly for basketball. Are you excited, Matt, for basketball season? You didn't even join us for the preview. <laughs> no, I didn't. Why Jesus. would I? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were going to be there. It was on the fucking calendar. <laughs> for what point cal- and purpose? <laughs> Matt's not there. We texted him. Uh, I think I had Greg text Matt uh, at the at the last minute being like, Matt, where are you? And Matt's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt just uh, Matt just shrugged. No, yeah, no interest. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Um <laughs> Great job. Uh, leave us also a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. It's the end of October, sadly, and we're only at 3.3 stars. Uh, you knew that we were shooting for 3.5 star by the five stars by the end of this month, uh, so we have to stay true to our word, meaning this is Reed's last appearance on No Truck Stops. He's officially fired. I'm sorry, Reed. Um, but please, leave us a five-star review. We've got uh, we've got one here from Brown 32101 He writes... Quote, before the addition of MF underscore read, I would say this is a probably a 3.2 star podcast. However, <laughs> now that they added MF underscore read, it's an easy five stars. I am uh, glad that uh, J Brown 32101, I'm glad you enjoyed read for these two weeks that he was on. It's been special and we're sad to see him go. But uh, the rest of y'all, please get those five star reviews in. Uh, read any any parting words as you leave the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate my fans. Um, it's been a good run. Uh, lastly, all kinds of content on Patreon at NoTruckStops.com, as we do every week. Every year and I are going to drop our episode overreacting to Pac-12 results, doing our narrative-driven look-aheads. Greg and Matt, they have their gambling focus preview that drops by Thursday morning. And now Reed previews the game of the week on our Patreon with Greg. Reed, what's the? Uh, did you decide on the game of the week this week already? Yeah, I'm going with Oregon State Washington on Friday night. Kind of decides the best team of the middle tier of the Pac-12. So excited for that one. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good pick. Um, that's going to be interesting. I don't know. It may not even be the middle tier. That might be a different tier. Uh, yeah. Uh, harsh words for Utah. <laughs> that's tough to hear. <laughs> uh, so go check that out. Patreon, NoTruckStops.com. Those are all fun episodes that are coming out. Uh, Matt, before we get started, you're the only one with kids here. Are you doing that thing where you go trick-or-treating twice in a row, like back-to-back? So, uh, kind of. Um, we did have kids ring the doorbell yesterday. I was pretty pissed about that. Um, Jeez, yesterday? Like 10.30? Yeah, last night. Oh, my yeah. God. No, wow, was, that is that, ridiculous. That was pretty bad. Um, so, all of like the daytime stuff was definitely yesterday. We had a couple of, uh, of trunk-or-treats. 
and and you know did like the that bullshit but so not two days in a row but definitely bracketing the weekend with uh with candy bullshit wild weird 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 reed are your um are your parents taking you trick-or-treating yeah yep i'm excited <laughs> being so mean to read today <laughs> i'm sorry reed <laughs> what did he do he was being annoying on twitter yesterday i say like two so obvious things and you just would not get out of my mentions it's true i was that i was i was bullying david reed have you considered the fact that you're an organ (laughs) oh geez uh that that does mean that all bad things that happen to you are deserved that's true that's true you chose this path uh people are going to be mad at us all the organ fans are going to be super mad at us for bullying the one the one oregon fan i said that bonix was so back after he threw his uh hail mary interception for a second interception of the game (laughs) neither of which were his fault and my shit got jumped by oregon fans you obviously are watching the games god oh man two very obvious observations shut up reed All right, let's uh let's let's get into it. It's all gone off the rails so early on. Uh, let's start with a recap of all that went down in the Pac-12 this past weekend. Matt, please take us away. Listen, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, we have uh, so on Thursday, the Utah Scout team traveled to Pullman and was able to come away with a win against Wazoo, twenty-one to seventeen. Wazoo falling to one and four in Pac-12 play. Mm. Not not what you love to see. Uh, Saturday, Oregon overcame the vibes and won 42-24 over Cal. Cal, you are a bad team. USC survived in Tucson. Ugly, ugly coaching and refereeing in this one. Uh, The game management was horrible by everybody in an administrative role. Um, Nonetheless, Arizona, you are a great team. Uh, going at the same time as this one was a really sneaky, sneaky, really good game between ASU and Colorado. Um, Colorado is a great team, and ASU is now in the baguette market. See them for all of your carbohydrate needs. Uh, and then to finish it off, UCLA sat on Stanford. They somehow simultaneously like just got out of there without injuries and also played all their starters way too long and uh, made it way harder than it needed to be. So uh, kind of weird. I, I don't really know how to feel about that game, but uh, – all I know is the cowards, Greg and Carlos, five and zero, picking all favorites, and Avery uh, gotten her own head, zero oh, and five on the week. Reed picked all the favorites too, didn't he? No, uh, no. I think he picked I had Wazoo. Wazoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. almost. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> me and Greg now getting even. I don't even. I didn't even notice that I picked all the favorites until after I saw the graphic, and I was like, "Wait a second. Yeah, it's get, it's getting late on the picks. It's that's right. You know, I think I just I want you to own it. All right, when you decide to join me on the dark side, I want you to own it. Is it the dark uh, side if I'm just picking the favorites? Yes, that's the dark side uh, <laughs> okay. of this podcast. It is. Oh, uh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, thank you for the recap, Matthew Uberton. Uh Let's let's talk about our first game. I had a hard time picking the 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 lead game for this week because all of them went chalk pretty much. Uh, so I went with Utah Wazoo, much to Avery's chagrin. Uh, Wazoo won, making sure that the entire or Utah won, making sure that the entire slate went chalk. She went zero and five. She picked all of the dogs, hoping that Oof. she would get one. <laughs> she did not get one. Um, so she uh, she had a brutal night. 
Um, anyway, Utah Wazoo, easily the most unhinged game of the slate. I think ASU Colorado is pretty unhinged, but I think I would say Utah Wazoo was uh, off the rails. Utah beat Wazoo 21 to 17 in the Palouse. A bunch of bizarre shit happened that Matt alluded to, most notably and to everyone's everyone's surprise, including the broadcast. Cam Rising did not play in this game. Uh, instead, walk on backup Bryson Barnes came in and led Utah to a win over the Cougs. On top of that, uh, running back Tavion Thomas did not make the trip with the team, so he was out also. And somehow, despite all of that, Utah beat Wazoo in Pullman uh, and come away unscathed somehow. So this game was just weird as shit for many, many reasons. But Matt, please start us off. What takeaways did you have from this uh, this cursed football game? I, yeah, I mean, Wazoo, we got to talk. Like, you you quite literally lost to the Utah scout team. And I do think that Utah has improved in the organizational depth and the talent depth. Um, I don't know that they should be able to do that. Like, we talk about how Colorado uh, or Arizona won a game against a completely depleted California team last year and how, how big of a deal that was that, like, it, that shouldn't count as a real win because Cal doesn't have that organizational depth and – I don't know that it's much worse than Utah's, and that that is definitely concerning to me. So, um, Utah defense did a good job against Cam Ward. The offense did not do anything to help him. There was a whole lot of throws behind the line of scrimmage, and um, obviously that offensive line is really really bad. But um, yeah, it was just it was weird. Uh, Utah did what Utah does when they don't have a great quarterback. It was impressive. It, it looked like uh, someone mentioned this on Twitter, maybe even a couple of you. It kind of looked like like mid 2010s Utah football down there. Just ugly, very ugly offense, but doing just what it needed to do offensively and then trying to get it done defensively. So kind of a kind of a strange game. Reed, what about you? Did you get to watch this game and what were your uh, what were your impressions? My expectations for Wazoo's run game were low in general, but I thought maybe against Utah's front they could do something and they didn't have a running back run for more than 10 yards in the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it was a classic our expectations were low, but holy shit moment. <laughs> um so I think we need to have a conversation about Washington State's offense and maybe Utah's defense is making another late season turnaround, but I'm not quite there yet. In general, though, Washington State this year, I mean, they've lost to USC, Oregon and on the road against Oregon State. So it's been good losses. I think this is probably the worst team that they've lost to given Utah's injuries in this game. Um the offense is just not good for Washington State, though, and I don't know if that's going to change anytime this year. Yeah, uh, Cam Moore uh, did not look. He had some moments, and I get that he's behind a terrible offensive line, but he also sort of uh, put Wazoo out of some advantageous positions, really putting them in some uh, some tough situations. Uh, and you know, they they just they they could not get anything going offensively. I think the big thing, the the thing that Wazoo fans are really screaming about and even Utah fans were sort of noticing this. The offensive play calling in this game for Wazoo was horrendous. Uh this was it was just like screens to like 5 foot 6 Robert Farrell um and Utah snuffed it out every single time. And it felt like that was all Wazoo had going for them. Like that was their only offense. That was the only strategy they came in with, and Utah just completely, completely shut it down. Uh, they were useless offensively because of it. Um, and Robert Farrell actually got on Twitter <laughs> uh, after after this game. <laughs> uh, our uh, one of our mutuals, our uh, Twitter friend, 
uh, Jeff from the Podcast versus Everyone podcast talking about Washington State tweeted that Robert Farrell had eight catches for 27 yards. It was one of the worst stat lines he'd ever seen. Robert Farrell uh, replied to that tweet saying, you go out there and uh, catch screens behind a bad blocking night. Which was not a good look. <laughs> it was uh, it was not great, but it was. It, I mean, they did put him in some tough positions, and Utah had it all snuffed out. Like, got nothing going, and it was bad. I don't know, Greg. What did you think about this game? Were you surprised by Wazoo's offense? You more impressed with Utah's defense? I think the takeaway for me is definitely more about Wazoo's defense. Um, I mean, not their defense. offense. <laughs> Wazoo's offense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we came into this game most of us at least expected Utah's defense to get the better of the matchup, I think, because we knew Wazoo's run game is bad. But this was so much worse than we expected it to be. Uh, It was disappointing from everybody involved with Wazoo's offense. The fact that they just kept throwing screen after screen after screen when Utah was, like, begging them to. Like, it, it felt like a gift every single time, and there were so many of them. It was hugely disappointing. The fact that Wazoo couldn't do more against a Utah team that was this depleted, I think is really concerning. It's it's making me reevaluate how good I think they are uh, going forward. Like, I, I don't think I'd have them in the same tier as Oregon State anymore. Despite the fact that, you know, Utah beat Oregon State by a lot more, I thought Oregon State impressed me more in that game, which is a weird thing to say when they lost by several touchdowns. Yeah, well, Reed, I wanted to ask you, because you, you kind of brought it up, but, you know, their losses are to, what, four Four of their losses are to, like, the five best teams in the Pac-12, right? You said Oregon State on the road. Uh, they lost to Utah now. They lost to USC on the road. They lost to Oregon in a close one. Do you feel worse about Washington State after this game? Like, do you feel like they're kind of, or, or do you feel like maybe the fact that they lost this one the way that they did downgrades them for you? Do you like, do you have a different evaluation of them after this? I feel way worse about them after this game. Uh, I felt like they had good, obviously, a really good performance against Oregon. Like, we're in every position to win that game. Had a pretty good performance against USC, even better than the final score said. Um, and then, you know, I think this is bad. I also think they take a hit because that Cal win that they dominated 28-9, at the, in the moment, we kind of thought Cal might be mid-tier. They came off the Arizona win pretty convincingly. And now Cal looks at the very bottom of the conference with Colorado. Um, and so I'm looking at Wazoo and the Wisconsin win obviously has lost a lot of shine as well. Like, what games, what what impressive win can they hang their hat on? Uh, the best performance so far is the Oregon game, and that's five weeks ago at this point. So, yeah, I don't have much faith, faith there. I think, you know, now it's just about getting to a bowl game for them, really. That's, it might be tough for them. That's going to be tough. Yeah, because speaking of, they are at Stanford. Then they play Arizona State that looks to have figured something out. Then they have to play at Arizona and then UW. Like, I don't know that I see more than two wins there. Yeah. They'd be and, and that's that might not even be it. I think it's, it's, a, by. it's a situation where their defense might be in the conversation for best in the conference, but it's not elite enough to make up for the fact that their offense is, you know, maybe the 10th best in the conference right now. It's sitting behind a lot of these teams, including Arizona State and Arizona, who they're going to play. Um, 
so that hurts them a ton in these matchups i think let's let's talk about utah a little bit and and specifically i want to talk about the one big thing that has become a discourse and i think i don't really want to spend i mean we could spend some time talking about it just because i i have some gripes with the way that this discourse has come up the, the game started and absolutely no one no one knew that cam rising was out for this game in fact uh fox put up the graphic for cam rising stats as bryson barnes was taking the field they had, <laughs> they were completely flabbergasted by this matt tell me your feelings about this the fact that utah wasn't transparent about whether cam rising was starting bryson barnes coming in like do, do you think utah owed fox anything are you perturbed by anything that happened uh, I mean, it definitely hurt my pocketbook. So like that sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely was pretty heavy on Utah to cover. Um, I immediately went opposite on that in live betting and was able to pull it out. Credit to me. Uh, but the, I mean, listen, I, this is a credible journalist podcast. And so it is important to note that um, everybody out of Utah, including Bryson Barnes, didn't know that cam wasn't going to play either it sounds like it was a a very much a game time decision i would agree based off of the offense that was ran and and how things went there <laughs> you know it did not seem like there was a whole lot um that was meant to make things easy on bryson barnes um i will also say it was very funny because the first play of the game was a pass to um it wasn't dalton kincaid i think it was it was thomas Yasmin. it was to a tight end um, that was in double coverage and I didn't even notice that it wasn't camerizing. It took me until the second play to notice because <laughs> um, it was such like, it was such a clear, like, yeah, that's camerizing like tight end double cover <laughs> with a safety over the top. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, I do think that there's, there's some points to that, that this really legitimately may have been a, a one of those actual game time decisions. It, the whole secrecy around injuries and like it doesn't provide any advantage so why would i share it bullshit like that that has always been something that has just been such a nothing burger i don't care that they don't do it but also at the same time like to protect it like their state secrets is so incredibly dumb to me and and what's difficult about it is that like it it does affect the way that we are able to engage in the sport and have narratives about the sport so like even looking at USC, we don't know what's going on with Jordan Addison. They're no. saying it's day-to-day, but you can't believe that for a second. He so easily could have gotten surgery last night, and we'd never know. So, I don't know. It's dumb. It's frustrating. I get it. I don't think that anybody is making it into a bigger deal than it is. Um, Utah is obviously one of like the most secure programs when it comes to this type of information. So, Very. Um, that even – you're able to think through like – Look, most other programs, if Cam Rising was legitimately out two, three days before, we would have heard about it. At Utah, he could have been out since right after the USC game. They could have known that he wasn't going to play, and they would have still done all this shit. So frustrating, sure. Cost me 10 bucks, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Greg? Are you perturbed by this? Are you annoyed? Do you think Utah owes anyone any transparency whatsoever? Betting notwithstanding, because this actually made me money because... (laughs) When I saw that Cam Rising wasn't going to play, I started hammering the live lines. <laughs> and and, like, and like Vegas did very good for me. Read. And <laughs> Vegas, like, that's the thing, though. Like, Vegas is very informative. Like, if it's anybody's going to know, it's Vegas true. is going to know. And uh-huh. like, not only did they not, like, was there no movement on the lines before the game started, unless you believe that the minus eight was like the adjusted line off of Cam Rising not playing, but like, even the live lines took a long while to like speed up. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that aside, 
I am bothered. I not bothered like a lot, but it annoys me that college teams do this. Like it's stupid. It doesn't provide them with any like substantive advantage, I don't think. And uh it just makes it harder for fans to engage with the sport. A lot of like the dumbass state secret bullshit you were talking about. Uh I wish that they had a pro sports style injury report. I think that would be much better for everyone involved, and I don't think it would hurt any teams in any real way. But again, it is not that important, so I don't care that much. In general, I agree. Like, I would love an injury report too, but I thought this moment was kind of fun. Like, from yeah, a kind of was, from, yeah. from a yeah. content yeah. perspective, Great it was content like, for holy, holy yeah. shit, <laughs> the backups out there, like, we had no clue. Um, and then, like, to see the game unfold, so that, I thought it was kind of fun. I didn't mind it. Uh, I thought it added to my viewing experience of this game specifically. It certainly added to my stress <laughs> levels. Well, we had talked about this game as being cursed and bad vibes and all this other stuff. And the first thing that happened was Bryce and Barnes going out there and people being like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely... Utah down to, like, the fourth string running back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just the fourth string running back. Literally, Utah's, like, scholarship quarterback, Jaquindon Jackson, was taking snaps at running back. That's how weird this game was. He has been a running back for a few weeks now, but okay. still, it was Ten carries. wild. Ten carries for the scholarship quarterback. Fumbled <laughs> twice, by the way. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's uh, yeah, is... got some work to do there. He, he does do that, yeah. He fumbled against Wazoo last year, too. Not great. Um, but I don't know. I, I will say really quick, I think I actually kind of thought hi- more highly of Utah. I already knew coming into this that, like, no matter how Utah won, they just had to win in Pullman. Like, it just, mm-hmm. like, this was such a cursed game and such a cursed situation on a Thursday night uh, off kind of a 10, off 10 days. Like, I, I just knew that all I expected from Utah was to win, no matter how it happened. And they won uh, with their backups, with their scout team. I, like, I found that pretty impressive. And I get that Wazoo's offense were kind of down on them, but... Utah's defense did step up. Like Cam Ward's not, uh, you know, he, he can have his moments. It was at home, right? They snuffed out the sort of screen passes and did what they had to do. And they held Wazoo to a, a horrific offensive performance. So I feel I feel a little bit better about Utah coming out of this, that they have a, a, a decent backup quarterback uh, plan. Bryson Barnes looked mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, he wasn't great, obviously. I don't think he's, you know, going to start at most Pac-12 programs. But, like, he looked – he had a pretty good game against a pretty decent Wazoo yeah. a defense that is good at creating havoc. Um, so, I, I don't know. I was kind of impressed by Utah for this. As a response to that, because, like, I do get that. If you are of the opinion that, like, Utah is still in the championship hunt, if Cam Raising is hurt, um, Dalton Kincaid left this game in an arm sleeve. Yes, Mm-hmm. please do not think that the Utah defensive line or front six is like making a turn. They just played against the two worst offensive lines in the conference. Like take it easy. I don't see a way that they keep the game with Oregon within 20 points. I genuinely believe that this Utah team can lose to Arizona. So I, I Utah's good. Like there's definitely some things that you can take away from this and like ultimately injuries suck and that's a part of the game. Um, but if if Kincaid is out as well, Utah has no explosiveness, and that is mm-hmm. going to hurt them in big ways. Well, we'll see. Uh, they've got some stuff to figure out with their injuries. We'll see if Cam Rising comes back. It seems like he he made the game time decisions not to, not to play. Um, 
So I guess I guess we'll see. All right. Well, let's move on to our next game. This one was a, a blast to watch for many reasons. Arizona falls to USC 45 to 37 in Tucson. And I think what was a incredible display of of talent from both teams. Uh, there were three receivers that had at least. Uh, why am I reading this? Who's supposed to read this? You just started reading, so uh, <laughs> um, go ahead. Re- go ahead, Greg. Take it away. <laughs> there were three three receivers that had 100 yards in this one. Dorian Singer uh, led the way with 141 yards and three touchdowns, and it was another good Delora game. Uh, he had 380 yards, three touchdowns, only one pick, um, and uh, he was also Arizona's leading rusher. Uh, I think he had a lot of plays where he just managed to escape the pot the pocket when it looked like he was done for sure. Wasn't enough to beat USC, however. Caleb Williams threw for over 400 yards with five touchdowns, and Taj Washington and Cal Ford both went over 100 yards receiving. What stood out to you, Carlos, since you were so excited to talk about this game? <laughs> I just normally am like, okay, did I write this or did you write this? I, can't, I can never tell if I don't have the exact uh, uh, thing in front of me. I was impressed. I was so impressed with both of these teams' receivers. I mean, you said it. Like, I feel like I just walked away. The high, There was like... It wasn't just the production. It was like highlight catch after highlight catch. It was Dorian mm-hmm. Singer with a falling one-handed touchdown grab. I think Tet McMillan had like a one-handed one-handed grab. Like just insane displays of talent from both of these receivers. Like Mario Williams had a couple of insane uh I think I think he had a couple of insane catches. He also had a couple of uh tough drops that I think put US- USC in some tough positions. Uh both these defenses not very great uh they clearly got both of them got worked um but i I was just more so impressed it felt like when those receivers were making plays they were like completely blanketed uh and made some really really tough catches uh so there's that and then Jaden delora man when he's like when he's when he's good Jaden delora he looks like a top three quarterback in the conference and the the problem is that he's not consistent like that right but Mm-hmm. man he like he looked like caleb williams out there <laughs> against uh against usc like the way he was scrambling and making magic out of nothing and kind of spinning around and creating opportunities for himself and slinging it downfield like i was i was impressed uh by him i think arizona is a is a quality team i don't know if they'll get bowl eligible just because their schedule is so tough and they did drop this one but like this is it's a fun team. Uh, they have some defensive issues for sure, but USC torches almost everyone uh, uh, everyone's defense. So I'm not super concerned about that from this game. I think I have to talk about the refs a little bit. It felt like they dug in mm. on <laughs> not calling defensive PIs, which made the Seriously. it made the performance from the receivers that much more impressive because if it was another crew out there, it felt like, you know, a third of the time they threw the ball, you could have thrown a flag for a defensive PI, uh, if not more. But these receivers still played through it and made incredible c- catches when they were more than blanketed, frankly. Um, I felt like maybe that hurt Arizona more, but it hurt USC at times too. It, it was just a decision that the refs made. And at that point, it seemed like there was nothing you could do to cause a defensive PI flag. Delora, I agree, was great. It felt like five times on third down, someone beat the left tackle and was closing in on him, and he spun around and scrambled for like a 10-yard first down run. And then the call late in this game on, uh, I think it was a roughing the passer. 
that extended USC's yeah. last drive. That was definitely a crucial call. Uh, I don't think it completely decided the game. It felt like I always thought USC was going to pull it out, but it was a crucial call that I think d- was deflating for Arizona, definitely. Matt, what did you think about the um, the penalties? I mean, that was a huge discourse again. You're not going to believe this, but um, referees are bad and don't deserve rights. <laughs> <laughs> and this game doesn't cha- didn't change that. Uh, mm, that was yeah. the that was the status of referees before this game. That will be the status of referees forevermore. Um, honestly, like, yes, it was really bad. Just like it was bad in the other games, and just like it was bad in the games tomorrow and on next week's uh, version of how will the refs be bad? <laughs> I don't know. Like I just, it. I do think, frankly, like if it's my choice, I would definitely allow for more hand fighting. Like I'm, I'm entirely okay um, with like no blood, no foul <laughs> when it comes to pass interference, <laughs> especially like with the stuff that we just give a free 15 yards if the quarterback underthrows any pass over 20. Yeah. Yards. Like I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like letting them play a little bit more because especially like if you don't let them play instead of the wide receivers actually trying to make those incredible highlight plays that we got out of this game, seemingly every drive, they just start selling the foul. So mm-hmm. like, I do actually, I, I agree that they were doing that, but I think that it was fairly consistent and I was I, I was pleased with it. I, I thought that it led to a better product from like the pass interference stuff. Uh, obviously, like the clock management and all that <laughs> at the end of the half um, was complete horseshit and just so bad. So, so bad. Yeah, it was so a, bad. It was a, a horrific stuff. But I, but I also think this squashes the narrative that from USC fans that 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 refs are just like have a conspiracy to to screw them over <laughs> like they they got some really favorable calls here uh that i think it disproportionately favored usc uh, i think maybe usc fans will be mad about that but it's true and and this is it's not like they're it's it's not intentional one way or the other they're just bad like matt was saying right this is just how officiating at least in this conference goes so i'm not too uh i don't know before we before we move on to a different game, I do want to say that I think the score is flattering to Arizona. Mm. Uh, it's a one-possession game at the end. I do not think it was a one-possession of difference in terms of how these two teams played. Uh, and Looking at the post-game win percentage, uh, it has uh, USC at 99% uh, to win this game, which I feel like makes sense. At no point during this game did I ever really think that, uh, that Arizona was going to pull it off. USC just always seemed to have control, but still, it was impressive from Arizona. Disagree. I thought I thought Arizona was keeping up with USC for the most part. It did get away from them. I mean, they were like keeping up. I just never thought they were going to pull it off. Oh, sure. Like I, I think I felt pretty comfortable that USC was going to figure out a way to win, but that's because of their talent, not because of the way that the game was unfolding. Like Arizona was in this game for what uh, all until the fourth quarter. Um, and even then the biggest lead that USC got was 16, uh, and you know, Arizona kind of in garbage ish time, got it, cut it to one score and then they had to get an onside kick, which they didn't. But like going into the fourth quarter, this was 31, 29, um, for USC. Yeah, they had that two point conversion to tie it at 31. Right. Uh, and they missed it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. This was, this was, they made USC play four quarters. Uh, I think that's impressive in and of itself given the talent disparity given where arizona was last year like again we're forgetting this was a 1-11 team last season 
So I, I thought that Arizona did keep up with USC. I think that they made it competitive. They made USC sweat by at no point did USC ever put in its backups. Did it even consider doing that? It wasn't even a question of whether they were going to do that. So I, I don't know. I think I think Arizona did a good job of, of uh, making USC work for this one. Let's talk about Arizona State at Colorado. Uh, another weird, maybe fun game that went out. Reed, how about you describe this one for us? Yeah, this game was forecasted to be maybe the sickos matchup of the year in the Pac-12 with both coaches being interims. And it actually turned out to be one of the more entertaining games of the week, if not maybe the most, uh, probably tied with the game we just talked about. Uh, It went over the total by 27 and a half points. Arizona and Colorado were trading possessions in a shootout that ended 42-34. The Sun Devils pretty much held a double-digit lead the entire way. Uh, Trenton Borget finally got the start for ASU over Emory Jones. And honestly, I thought he looked really good. On the other side, JT Shrout somehow managed to be held to a 38% completion percentage <laughs> in a game where Colorado <laughs> scored their season-high 34 points. I'm not sure how that was possible. That was truly horrific. That might be a season-high, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll go look back at his stats. It really does feel like a season high. Uh, that feels like when you said 38, I'm like, that's, I don't know. That's pretty good for JT Shroud. Uh, or no, not, yeah, JT Shroud. I was like, I was thinking, was, I always get him confused with the, what's the Ohio State guy? CJ Stroud. It's very annoying. Yeah. Very different same. players. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that recap, Reed. Matt, what did you think about this game? You were, you were all over this one. This was such a fun game. I, I did I go back and rewatch it this morning because I didn't feel like I gave it the proper attention that it deserved <laughs> yesterday as Arizona and USC was going on. Who's to say? Um, this game was awesome. I I think that there was like four touchdowns scored in the first quarter. Um, it was like 20, 28 to 10 going into the half. Um, actually seeing some competence out of these two offenses in a game that I was convinced was going to end with a total in the thirties was, was a very welcome sight. Um, and very, very interesting to see. Um, Trent Porgay was like really good, genuinely really good, made really good, uh, really good decisions threw the ball down the field at times was not afraid to take the five yard crosser at all. Uh, the entire offense and look, it's against Colorado. I get it. But like, the entire just like feeling of competence around the Arizona state offense is 10 times anything we felt with them in the last 18 months. Uh, this, this was a very, very good, very, very competent and and consistent showing out of them in this game. Colorado definitely came to play. I think that we, I, I, a lot of people were on them covering in our in our Pac-12 pick'em bets and everything, and so I think that there was a little bit of that. That this is not to say that like Arizona State is a good team, um, but actually making this into a fun ball game was was very very fun to see. <laughs> Reed, you get to watch this game? Of course, I got to watch the game. I did the recap. I think Arizona's offense or Arizona State's offense is good, uh, especially with Borget Borgay in there now. I don't know what I don't know how to pronounce the that. The broadcast is saying Borgay, but I'm pretty sure I've heard Borget uh, consistently. I'm pretty sure they're mispronouncing it. Ex validate. I, I continue to advocate for us doing a running back rankings on this show sometime because I'd be interested to see where people put ex validate. He's uh, great. 
yeah, he was good again in this game. Uh, Colorado, I mean, 34 points. I did not think that their offense had that in them in any game. So that was impressive. I still don't really see another win there, uh, but maybe. Uh, they they don't really have an easy slate. They play Oregon, USC, Utah, and at Washington. So I think 1-11 is a pretty safe bet. Yeah, thank God for Cal because that's 0-12 for sure. They've got no winnable games <laughs> left on their schedule. None. Unreal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great game. Uh, Trent Burgett should have been the starter last, last week. Trent Burgett plays against stanford they probably beat stanford we're looking at like real arizona state threatening bowl eligibility situation here as of now they're three and five they're gonna play ucla washington state oregon state arizona that's a really tough slate for them to get three wins go three and one against they've got to hope they can pull off some magic against ucla they got to hope that they can beat arizona in tucson that's going to be a very fiercely contested game and then they've got to hope they get one of Oregon State and Washington State. Those are quality teams. So uh, Grapes is in the chat saying bowl eligible ASU happens now. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, bowl eligible ASU or bowl eligible Wazoo? Ugh. Oh, God. Because <laughs> I'm on Arizona. I would be on Arizona State if you're making me choose those two. Uh, I think Washington State has the easier schedule. They get Stanford, uh, Arizona State, at Arizona, Washington. That's the thing is I think Wazoo... Like Wazoo, the Wazoo Arizona State game on November twelfth is going to be a major deciding factor. That could go either way, but outside of that, like Washington State has the more winnable games, particularly at Stanford. Um, they could absolutely win that game, and they only need two, right? So they beat Arizona State. Yeah. They beat Washington. Uh, they beat uh, Stanford. That's that gets six for Wazoo. So uh, I'd pick Wazoo. This Arizona State-Arizona game at the end of the year is going to be just awesome. I'm so excited for that game. I'm going to be there for that game. It's going to be so <laughs> really? crazy. Yeah. Okay, see if we can dress as, as defenders in the game. <laughs> see if they'll put us on the field. <laughs> yeah, we, we do pretty well. <laughs> it couldn't be worse. It couldn't be worse. It's going to be a blast. I'm entirely okay with that just being a seven on game. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with yeah, that. I think yeah. it should be. It'll, yeah. be. it'll be a lot of fun, that game. Um, something to look forward to. Okay, let's get to the rest. These last two games here also went chalk, also mostly uneventful. Oregon beat Cal and Berkeley 42 to 24. This game started very, very, very weird. The vibes were horrendous early on. Uh, Jack Plummer played surprisingly well, but the Ducks put this one away uh, in the third quarter pretty, pretty handily behind five touchdowns from Bo Nix. So no drama there in the end. And likewise, UCLA beat the shit out of Stanford 38 to 13 in Pasadena. That game was over in the first quarter after US, uh, UCLA went up. 17 to 3 the Bruins more than doubled up Stanford in yards while Zach Charbonnet had 108 and 198 yards himself so any quick takeaways from either of these games Reed I felt like both these teams proved to me that there's a little bit of separation there between them and the rest Uh, I just trust UCLA and Oregon right now to handle the bad teams more than I do USC or Utah I don't Mm. know if that's a full tier difference but I do. I feel felt like both these games proved that like these teams are consistent enough to win against bad teams. USC's defense feels like they can put themselves in a shootout, and you know Utah faced a lot of injuries, obviously, but I don't know if I totally trust them, especially on the road to handle some of these bad teams, um, at least to not make it ugly. So I was impressed with both Oregon and UCLA. I think they're the two best teams in the conference right now. Yeah. 
I think that's the consensus. It's one and two there. Uh, Greg, what about you? Mm-hmm. Any takeaways from either Oregon beating Cal or UCLA beating Stanford? You know, there's. I don't think there's a lot to take away from either of these games. I did watch them both, but they were just so very chalk. Like, I think Zach Charbonnet is the best football player in the conference. Uh, wow, best football player. Whoa. Ooh, Ooh. That's, a, that's a take. All right, Greg. <laughs> Every time I watch him, it's just, I'm so impressed. Like, he sheds tackles like no one else uh and it's a joy to watch he's ucla's best player for sure and oregon just took care of business against cal is a slow start but that doesn't really doesn't really matter when you win 42 24 uh it was just they took care of business and i agree with reed they're the two best teams in the conference i I have a lot to say about oregon cal honestly as as far as ucla goes i don't know DTR looks like he tried to get killed a couple of times in this game. I'm not blaming DTR. I'm definitely blaming the, like the other things. But if like if DTR is hurt and especially playing hurt, I, I don't know how much I do actually trust UCLA. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of concern there specifically as they have to play USC and and that sort of stuff. Um, Cal Oregon, uh, first of all, terrible beat for your boy. 55 yard touchdown. By Cal with two minutes to go to go over the team total. The brutal. Fuck. That was, I felt so good about that. Was uh, felt we were in a spot. I had him at 22 and a half. We were able to absorb the garbage time touchdown with four minutes to go. And all of a sudden, we're giving up 55 yard touchdowns. Uh, Oregon, <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of your garbage time bullshit on defense. I'm so sick of it. Um, otherwise, uh, if Mario Cristobal is coaching this Oregon team, okay, so I'm not saying last year's Oregon team, I'm saying Bonix, I'm saying everything about this year's Oregon team, Mario Cristobal loses this game. Um, elite game management out of Dan Lanning going into the half, uh, where he, you know, does the whole like timeout thing with two and a half minutes to go um, and gets the ball back for Oregon going into the half when they are up 14 to 10 some subtleties in how he did that that were really, really impressive. Um, getting the timeout on second down and kind of still goading Cal into still trying to offense with the score being close. Um, they get the interception on third down. Obviously, that's not a game management thing, but definitely even if they punt that ball away, very good thing. Oregon scores quickly, and this was the part that was super impressive to me is all of a sudden there's less than two minutes left to go. And Oregon is able to get the ball back. They call a Dan Lanning calls a timeout with a minute and nine seconds left um, after a another Jaden not run gets in another timeout with 45 seconds left and they're able to get the ball back. Obviously, there was only like there was only 12 seconds or yeah, 10 seconds left. But there was a shot, right? There was a legitimate Hail Mary shot that was able to get into the end zone. Um, they were only like 10 yards away from field goal range. It, elite game management going into the half here by Dan Lanning. And I fear that Oregon may actually have a decent coach to go along with the supreme talent that they do have more impressive. And on top of that, like sometimes we talk about coaching, I think is like 90% being about this, like game management stuff. But the fact that (laughs) Kenny Dillingham, the fact that Kenny Dillingham is like, he's letting uh, Kenny Dillingham cook uh, and letting him sort of take over the offense. And Kenny Dillingham is doing like really great stuff with it. Is impressive. I mean, I, that is in itself really impressive. Now, the other thing we're going to have to talk about at some point, Dan Lanning is a defensive coach and Oregon's defense sucks, but eh, we can leave that aside for now. Oregon's <laughs> offense like kicks ass, and that's a, a lot of that is due to him uh, 
uh, delegating that. What were you going to say, Matt? Well, I just, especially as we are comparing it, like we're watching this game and then we go into that Arizona USC game where yeah. both Fish and and Lincoln Riley were just a terrible game management of that game. Obviously, there was the ref stuff that happened into the second half that really overshadowed a lot of what happened. But like Lincoln Riley, like twice, let like 20 seconds run off the clock before calling a timeout in situations where he very much should have called timeout earlier. There was a couple of times where it was going for it on fourth and sevens that just didn't make sense. There was like a 55-yard field goal attempt for for Arizona <laughs> in that game. Like such a stark contrast to and, – and especially when you're looking at uh, – when you're looking at Lincoln Riley, like – I mean, as a truck stop coach, I didn't know that much about him as far as like his game management stuff. But you expect that stuff to be what the first-year coach struggles with and not what the coach who's been in the playoff multiple times struggles with and definitely wasn't. So um, – Really, really impressed with Dan Lanning. Greg, I want... Uh, sorry, not Greg. Reed, I'm getting all you white boys confused. Uh, <laughs> Reed, I want you to answer this because because after after a disaster class game management uh, uh, sequence from Mario Cristobal against Stanford last year, uh, a bunch of everyone on Twitter was like, what the fuck was that? It was like Mario Cristobal calling timeouts, giving Stanford chances, like literally let Stanford sort of win that game with some horrific g- game management. After that game, you tweeted me and said, what did Mario Cristobal do wrong? And now... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> do we remember this? Do you remember, you remember this? I've got the tweet to prove it. Uh, and now you're seeing like Dan Lanning, everyone saying that's like elite game management, like by consensus. So I want you to respond to the allegations here that uh, that you thought Mario Cristobal was actually a good game manager and then and then compare that to what Dan Lanning's done. I, don't, I didn't think Mario Cristobal was a good game manager. I do love... Okay. And now I'm on board, though. I think game management is one, 100% of what it takes to be a good coach. Throw out recruiting classes. Who cares? Offensive scheme. I don't care. If you call timeouts at the right time, you are the best. That's why Dan Lanning, much better coach than Lincoln Riley, clearly top of the conference. But the, I, we don't need to relitigate the Stanford game. It was bad. The, I thought the fourth down I decision. I thought you were doubling down on that for a second. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I mean, I think I, I also, I'm I going to say, uh, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here, too. I was pretty sure this coaching staff was just a bunch of guys who recruit. And that still might be true, by the way. Like, I think some a lot of this stuff is going to be about development. Like, a lot of Adrian Clem and Demetrius Martin like that that the position coaches not doing a whole lot during the season but the development's really going to matter um and so we'll see that over time but in terms of just like scheme and the way that it's worked out like Kenny Dillingham way better than any of us thought uh Dan Lanning much better at managing a program at this point in game than any of us thought um Tosh Lapoy, I think we <laughs> whatever we can Oregon's defense is like a big black mark here and Tosh Lapoy, I think it's we're gonna have to have a conversation about him and Dan Lanning at some point but Oregon's winning right now uh, I mean I will say Cal looked pretty good offensively in this one I'm not sure how much of that was Oregon and how much of that was Cal like figuring some shit out but Matt what no, and I wasn't all that impressed with Dillingham in this game either like okay. a lot of the scheming stuff that he did in the UCLA game did not transfer over to this game Cal's defense is much better than UCLA's but like it, Again, I'm telling if if Dan Lanning does not manage the half like he did, I truly believe Cal wins this game. Yeah, I 
I don't. I don't either. <laughs> Good job, Dan Lanning, though. Good First job, half Dan Lanning. First half was a little weird. Read, read, tell, don't, don't make me feel crazy. Was the first half a little weird, this game? The first quarter was weird, was definitely. Weird. And then we yeah. sat, we settled in in the middle eight, and that's when Oregon figured it out. And that's what or- Oregon's been great in the middle eight uh, this whole year, like Matt was saying. It was weird for a quarter, though. And I completely agree that, I mean, the last three years, Cristobal had incredibly ugly games against Cal. They scored 17, 17, and 24 in those three games. Jesus and Christ. And were held scoreless <laughs> in two out of the six halves. Like, there's no excuse for that, given Oregon's talent. And I think it speaks to the fact that, oh, God, I don't want to do this, but Wilcox can scheme well defensively. Shut They're the well up. coached. He's, and that, yes. and that, this is not a no, safe no, no. space for Justin Wilcox. <laughs> I'm, not going, I'm not going there. But I think <laughs> that, so ad- that advantage over Cristobal was very clear when they played. But the other conversation is Wilcox has put himself in the horrible position that he is in. And it's weeks and it's year six. Yeah. Uh, I think Grapes is in the chat saying uh, Wilcox lost this on purpose because he's a duck. Uh, start the <laughs> start the discourse. I will say first first like, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of this game. Cal's defense looked like it was here to play. Uh, and they were they were mm-hmm. doing a pretty good job against against an Oregon offense that no one had been able to stop. Really, Oregon, of course, ter- of course, turned it on. I think a lot of that had to do with talent winning out. But um you know, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to have a conversation about Wilcox later on. We'll have to do that later on. I think he's uh, inching closer and closer to the hot seat. Don't know if Gal will actually fire him. We will find out. Okay, well, that's it for our game recaps. Let's talk MVPs for the week. Matt, who are your uh, MVPs? Coaches, players, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, no, it's it's Jenny, like it's Dan, it's um Dan Landing for me. I I that was the thing that I was most impressed with out of this game. Um definitely a big shout out to Trenton Borgett, but um I'm going to try to say that name every way possible by the end of the year. Um So, excited for that. Greg, what about you? Got an MVP? Uh, I'm just Avery would like us to share her MVP with the class, which is uh Oregon State getting ranked. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about so, that right know. after right after this. Read yeah. the show notes, Congrats. grapes, Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, my my MVP is the best football player in the conference, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, he had almost 200 yards against Stanford. He was at like 9.5 yards per carry. Uh, absurd game from him. He's incredible. So he's my MVP. Reed, what about Did you? Did you guys hear oh. the ESPN broadcast about um, him, by the way, that uh, David Woods shouted out? Where they had, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy that does all the draft analysis. Todd uh, McShay. Uh, McShay. Yeah, they had McShay yeah. doing sideline for this game. And Rod Gilmore was like trying to talk up Zach Charbonnet and say how amazing he was and how like he was showing everything. When he had he had ran for like 175 yards in the game so far. And McShay was like, yeah, I mean, he's all right. Like he'll be a backup in the NFL and like maybe a, a good like seventh round pick. <laughs> uh, what a fucking nerd. Also, it's just like you're you're like shitting on your own product here, ESPN, by being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, if you're a casual, it's garbage. Why are you watching this? <laughs> what the fuck? Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> Reed, what about you? Who's your uh, MVP for the week? My MVP is Cam Rising. I thought that his, <laughs> his decision to hide the injury and then bow out right before the kickoff was just amazing content. Uh, it made that Thursday night game great awesome. Point. So yeah. I'm I'm going with Cam Rising. That's a it's funny. You got a real one? 
I mean, you could use that one, but you get that's, the real that's one mine. Cup. That's my real all right. one. All right, wow, it's sticking with it. Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say, God, I think there was a lot of great players. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Dorian Singer. Seven catches, 141 yeah, yards, good. three touchdowns, insane catches left and right. He was a lot of fun. Um, I've got, I got several. I'll throw one honorable God, mention. That out offense there. is so fun. Yeah, drug of choice. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, it is up the last. <laughs> Chasing that high for years. <laughs> Bo Nix, honorable mention for him. Another game with five total touchdowns. It kind of went under the radar, but he's uh, he's one I'd throw out there. Any other honorable mentions? Players that had big games that are worth shouting out. Taj Washington, seven catches, hundred eighteen yards, two mm. touchdowns. He's pretty. Yeah, he had a he had a pretty good, good game. X Validate. Caleb Williams had five touchdowns again. Michael Mothershed untangling the mess. <laughs> Okay, okay. In the USC Arizona game, in the are you talking about the game or USC Arizona in this game? uh, One unhinged moment that I just absolutely have to keep coming back to because I cannot get over how stupid it was. USC throws like a dart down the field to get down to like the eight yard line. There's four seconds left on the clock. The clock stops because it's a first down. They spot the ball and start running the clock. And then, like, USC's lined up. USC's ready to go while the um, umpire is standing there being like, no, you can't snap it. And then after three seconds, re-spots the ball backwards, like, two yards. And then they, like, let it go another three seconds and let USC snap the ball well after the (laughs) half ended. Yeah. Well after the, the clock actually expired. Yeah. Now you can go, Carlos. Yeah. Insane <laughs> moment here on the broadcast. <laughs> There's chaos happening, by the way. People are like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, and uh, it's unclear what the fallout is. And so Ted Robinson goes on there with a straight face, says, thank God for Michael Mothershed. Uh, he's going to clean this right up. <laughs> Michael Mothershed, <laughs> whose name we know because it's true. He's like truly fucking unhinged as a referee. <laughs> he goes out there and says, Half's over. <laughs> the back, the back network, Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth being like, what? Why? How could, what a terrible, I, I gotta our, say, what was our hero, Michael, Michael Mothershed, How could has forsaken this? us. <laughs> I not get over God, that moment. So oh, it's so, so funny. funny. Like, I know that like, the that back- was the worst part of it. For everything that Lincoln Riley did to be in that situation with his timeouts, for everything that the referees did, the worst thing to happen in that moment was Ted Robinson saying, Thank God that Michael Mothershed <laughs> is here to clean up this mess. <laughs> yes. Like, that was the, so that was the then, biggest example of incompetence. He goes up and he turns on the mic and everybody's expecting him to just be like, clock operator, please reset the clock to six seconds. And he's like, fuck that. The half's yeah. over. Arizona's already in the locker room. Let's Michael, get out Michael of here. Michael says, like, I got a shit, guys. Like, here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. What a what a moment for Michael Mothershed and the Pac-12 Networks. I really wish more people were able to watch that. Uh, all right. Last thing here about this week. AP poll's out. AP poll. Why did I say it like that? The AP poll is out. Uh, here are the rankings. We have a new entrant, as was just referenced in the chat. Number eight, Oregon. Number nine, USC. Number 10, UCLA. Number 12, Utah. So four, three teams in the top 10, four in the top 12. And new AP poll entrant, Beavlet, Oregon State. They're at number 24. So Oregon State on a bye week gets ranked, uh, probably due to some losses down there at the bottom, uh, and Washington receives votes. 
Any? Uh, are you all surprised? Oregon State finally gets into the AP poll for the first time this year. They're <laughs> six and two. It's time to talk about how Washington's being snubbed, so we can have six ranked Pac-12 uh, teams. Oregon State, Oregon State, Washington being ranked going into this Friday night matchup would have been so great. But would have been fantastic. But uh, unfortunately, one of these, one of those teams will leave ranked, and the other one will leave unranked, which is a little unfair. But it's yeah, gonna be, it's going to be a super interesting game. Good pick. A couple of like the fun stats out of it. So you. Uh, SEC has three ranked teams in the top 10, four ranked teams in the top 12. So eight out of the top 12 are SEC and Pac-12 teams, and you're not doing like the they're seven and one on that. So um, that part of it is kind of cool. What I am like, as I'm looking at these teams, what I find most fascinating, because like there's been definite years where it's like Utah's ranked number three, Oregon is ranked number three, like there's five Pac-12 teams ranked, and you look at it and it's like, mm, there shouldn't be five like there are not five of the top 25 teams in the country are not pac 12 teams y'all i look at this and i'm like i think this is right like Mm -hmm. i think these rankings are indicative of how good these teams are i legitimately think that ucla is a top 10 team in the nation yeah i I don't let greg talk because he's gonna shit all over them and say they all should be unranked i already know it it's all over his fucking face (laughs) (laughs) yeah um uh grapes says in the chat i'm surprised that they ranked oregon state on the bye week thought they'd wait until after next week yeah a little bit a little bit surprised so okay well that's this week that's the ap poll that's everything that happened in the pac-12 i thought we could do some benchmarking what i thought we'd do is uh move on to our next segment and play a little game called trick-or-treat All right, well, it is Halloween, uh, or for our Latinx homies, Dia de los Muertos, so that we could get a little spooky. I'm going to give you a statement on this season, and you're going to tell me whether you think this statement is a trick, meaning you think it's fake or fraudulent, or it's a treat, meaning you think it's real and substantive. So, first up, through nine weeks of the Pac-12 season, Bo Nix has officially become the Pac-12 leader in passer efficiency rating, staking a real claim as the best quarterback in the league. Matthew Hubertson, you are a big time Bo Nix hater. You've been waiting all you've been waiting three months for a bad Bo Nix game. So I'm gonna start with you. Bo Nix is the best quarterback in the Pac twelve. Trick or treat? Trick. A hundred percent trick. Oh my Stop god. It. <laughs> Stop it. I'm not even willing to have the conversation. <laughs> That's it. Okay, <laughs> fine. Read. Go ahead. Trick or treat. Bo Nix, best quarterback in the Pac twelve. Tasty, tasty treat. God, you disgust. You me. gotta go. Bo Nix, number one. He outdueled DTR. He's on a roll. He's having fun. He's a dark horse <laughs> for the Heisman. <laughs> yes, I'm there though. I, I I think I actually am there this week. I think I actually am there. It's not a huge gap, but I think he's number one right now. Greg, trick or treat. Bonex, best quarterback in the Pac-12. Trick, because I think Caleb Williams is better. However, I think he's got a real argument for number two. Like I think him, DTR, Cam Rising are all like pretty close up there, but Caleb Williams for me is alone at the top. It's a treat for me. Uh, he's he may not be uh, sort of he doesn't have the arm talent that Caleb Don't Williams. Celebrate that read. Carlos doesn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> so dumb. <laughs> um, he may not have the arm talent and the accuracy that Caleb Williams has downfield, but he's making. I don't know. I think his deep ball. His deep ball's pretty is, good. He's had some really yeah. he's had some really tight throws and some tough windows. Uh. But you know, I still wouldn't put him up there. I'd say he's he's making some incredible decisions. He's a better decision maker right now than Caleb Williams is. And part of that is Caleb Williams is young and Bo Nix has been playing a lot of football. But 
uh, I don't know. I, I feel like and, and as Caleb a runner, Williams is getting pressured on like fifty percent of his drops. That is that is true. That's fair. He is working with uh, Bonex is working with a great offensive line. That is true. But he's also making Bonex plays is his playing legs. seven on seven right now. Like he <laughs> is not even getting remotely pressured. Okay. Well, I think we have to evaluate them within the context because I mean, if I'm drafting quarterbacks, like I'll take Caleb Williams number one. But I think Bonix has had the best season so far, if that makes sense. I think that's true. Uh, Grapes in the chat saying Bonix does get pressured. He has a very good pocket presence. I think that's true. And he knows when to take off, right? Like, I think some of the things with Caleb Williams, I don't think we see this as DTR so much because he's much more experienced. But, um, you know, I think comparing him directly to Caleb Williams, Bonix, he knows when to run. He knows he has a really good sense of when the pocket's going to collapse and he's just going to take off. And as a result, he's the Pac-12's leading rusher for quarterbacks among quarterbacks um, has the most touchdowns among quarterbacks. I think that's a real part of it. And it's like a, 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 like a real third down threat. Like it feels like, you know, third and long, like he is a, he is a problem because he teams are sort of trying to take away the pass and they forget that Bo Nix is an elite runner and he makes the plays, gets first downs. So I'm going to, I'm going to say treat on this one. Okay. Next one, after their win in Pullman, Utah's defense now leads the Pac-12 in yards allowed per game and is second in points allowed per game. That's maybe a chance here that Utah's defense might be heating up. So here's the claim. By the end of the season, Utah's defense will be the best in the Pac-12. Trick or treat. Let's start with Greg on this one. It's a trick. It's a dirty, stupid (laughs) trick. We are two weeks removed from finally... You accepting and everyone accepting that US, Utah's defense is bad, all right? I was so excited that people were finally there, that we were finally being real about Utah's defense. And just because we played an offense that can only run screens, <laughs> why are we changing our minds about this? We've seen how bad they are against good teams. Don't be tricked, all right? Utah's defense sucks. Reed, trick or treat. Utah is going to be the best defense at the end of the season in the Pac-12. It's a trick. I got Beavlet or maybe Wazoo, but probably Beavlet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Matt, what about you? Trick or treat? I am definitely going trick. I think that there's more of a conversation for this than there is for Bonex being the best quarterback. No, there isn't. No, no, no there isn't. <laughs> Shut up, Greg. I, I'm going to... Okay. Uh, maybe it's just because I put this question together. I'm going to say treat for this one also. Uh, I think... Uh, yes, Wazoo's offense is horrific. Uh, I also think that Utah's defense is not far off from the best right now. Um, they're, what, third maybe but, uh, behind Wazoo and Oregon State. I think Utah's going to get a couple of opportunities to show that its defense has grown. I think that if we know anything about the Kyle Whittingham era, and maybe this year is an anomaly for sure, but if we know anything consistently from the Whittingham era is that he's a good developmental coach and you know I, I assume that they will figure some stuff out defensively i don't think they're far off from the best defense in pac 12 now do i think that means they're going to be like a great defense or anything i don't think so um but they're going to get opportunities they're going to get a chance to show if they've grown against arizona um if they hold arizona to like 350 yards or under 400 yards and you know 21 points that's that's progress that would be really impressive um i get it Jaden delora is a chaotic quarterback but i also think utah is uniquely positioned to make him sweat and make him force him into some really really bad mistakes because Jaden delora is that kind of player right now so I- i'm gonna say treat but i i get right now i would say right now they're not um right now you'd have to put oregon state ahead of them so okay last one here uh we know there's 
four clear teams at the top, UCLA, Utah, Oregon, USC, they do not play each other until uh, until week 12, which is November 19th. That's three weeks from now. Uh, and they will each be close to double-digit favorites in each of their remaining two games until then. So here's the claim. UCLA, USC, Utah, and Oregon will all go 2-0 and until November 9th, 19th, leading us to get four 9-1 teams playing each other on the third week of November. Read Trick or Treat. This is this is the best one so far because I think Bonix obviously is the best quarterback in the conference. Utah's defense obviously not the best in the conference. I will go trick though. I think more likely than not someone falls. Arizona versus Utah this weekend, certainly a shot there. Uh, I think UCLA, Arizona State, even an outside shot there. And then next weekend, I have to sadly mention Washington, Oregon as a small chance. Uh, and yeah, maybe Arizona UCLA next week too. So I'll go trick, but it's close. Washington Corvallis. Oh wait, no, never mind. That's, That's afterwards. afterwards. That's afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, trick or treat? I'm gonna go treat. They could definitely lose one of them. Like I think each of them have a losable game, but they should all be pretty decent favorites in the games they play until then. And thus far, Pac-12 teams at the top have done a good job of taking care of di- uh, taking care of business. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say treat. Uh, they'll all be 2-0 in, until November 19th. Okay. Uh, Matt, trick or treat. They're all going to go 2-0. I'm going to say trick. Uh, we don't know enough about what's going on with Utah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Utah is pretty clearly like the opportunity for the loss here, although both of their games are at home, and we know that they are national championship material when they're <laughs> at home. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't think we know enough about what's happening at Utah health-wise. Honestly, frankly, same thing with USC. I don't. Uh, Mario Williams didn't play in that game, um, and so I I think that there's some some aspects there. Cal might be the best team played in that stretch out of all those games. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go trick, um, just because I tend to pick the field. But yeah, I I think that Utah is in a very concerning spot right now. I'm going to say treat. Uh, I, I get that Utah is in a concerning spot, but both of those games are at home. Do not trust Arizona. Grapes, Grapes said this Arizona will not beat Utah and Salt Lake City. There's no way for me that Arizona beats Utah and Salt Lake City, even uh, with Bryce and Barnes in. Um, and then Utah gets Stanford. Stanford is fucking horrific. Also in Salt Lake City, I would be stunned. That would be the worst loss of the Kyle Whittingham era in quite some time if Utah loses to Stanford at home. Uh, on the other hand, I think... Washington is the best team that these will have to play and Oregon gets them, but they get them in Eugene. Um, and, and Washington does not look like a good, a good road team. I think the one, if there's going to be a trip up here, um, USC gets Colorado and Cal and both of those are just garbage teams. The one that's going to be a trip up is UCLA at Arizona state. That's the one where I think the PAC 12 is likeliest to see a trip up among the top four. They may, Arizona state may have, something in Trenton Burgett now uh, a pretty decent quarterback maybe that's going to be the best running back that any of these four teams will face like X Valade is very good their defense probably is not great um but you know it's in Tempe it might not have to be it might just have to get stops if DTR Matt mentioned this earlier if DTR is unhealthy uh he's not 100% going into that game turns that game into a weird vibes game so that's the one uh that's the one I think they get tripped up but 
I think they don't. Um, I think UCLA is much better than Arizona State. I think UCLA has beaten Arizona State in Tempe enough times for it not to be like some weird fucking black magic or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say I'd say that's the one. But I think they all go. I think they go two and zero each going into November nineteenth, which would make for a lot of fun. Hopefully, they do. I've got a, I've got another one here. I didn't have this written down, but I wanted to ask y'all. Um, I we have Oregon State Washington coming up. That they're six and two. Both of those teams are sort of have outside shots. So here's the here's the claim: a team not named UCLA, USC, Utah, and Oregon. The Pac-12 championship game will feature at least one team from not that four. Trick or treat, Reed. Start us off. Trick. I don't. I don't see a path for Oregon State or Washington to make it. Okay. Greg. Uh, also, trick. It, it seems very, very unlikely at this point with tiebreakers and with yeah. A lot, yeah, just the record already. Yeah, I don't even think Utah has a path. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, I think uh, I don't know. Oregon State's beat Oregon State beats Washington and Seattle, and then who do they get after that? They get um, they get Cal, uh, and then they finish off the season with Arizona State, and then it's Oregon in the Platy. So I, I feel like Oregon State has an outside shot. Um, I, I don't want to count them out because they have the easiest schedule-ish, except they've got to play Oregon. But again, that's in Corvallis. Like, I I, I don't want to, I, I would say a trick, but I also don't, I'm not ready to count out Oregon State. I think Oregon State has an opportunity to to try to break in there if things break their way ucla loses to arizona state usc loses to ucla like i think they might be able to sneak in it's not um it's not insane i don't think it is but okay all right let's uh let's move on here let's get to some listener questions and comments in here super super quick we're running a little long uh we've got we've gotten several questions and i'm sorry we can't get to all of them but uh keep sending them in and we'll try to fit them in you can either dm them or tweet them at us at no truck stops pod or any of our accounts at equity Bruin at banana morphs at no pit stops at MF underscore read or at brave grapes. First up from our homie James in the Patreon. He asks, why do coaches suck after leaving Oregon read? You answered this one for us. You were a massive Cristobal fan and now you're now you've soured. So let's hear it from you. Why do coaches suck when they leave Oregon? The biggest reason is Oregon has a lot of institutional stability. The booster hierarchy works really well. You have one dude, Phil Knight, with a ton of money uh, and Pat Kilkenny also. Uh, So there's not this fragmented network of boosters pulling in different directions. You also have a brand you can recruit off of nationally. And then especially in the case of Cristobal, he was playing in a pretty soft Pac-12. And I think that helped him a lot. Um, But you know, I'll, I'll be consistent on Cristobal too. I think that he can recruit. He just brought in the number two player in the country to Miami. Uh, so we'll see what the hell happens there over the next few years. Uh, I don't, I'm not completely writing that off, but we'll see. Because recruiting is definitely a head coach skill and definitely has nothing to do with the boosters and institutional support. You're totally right. <laughs> I mean, I think there is something to be said. Oregon's recruiting got a lot better under Cristobal. It was, yeah. yeah, he revolutionized Oregon's recruiting. He taught Oregon how to recruit at the level that teams in the SEC and Ohio State does. That's fair. They, they did up their talent level, and, and I think as a result, up their margin for error, right? Like Mario Cristobal, not a great coach, and, and look what he did. Like he won 
10 games consistently and got to a Rose Bowl, won the Pac-12 a couple of times. So, yeah, talent matters. Look, as a UCLA fan, watching Chip Kelly <laughs> decimate UCLA's roster over the past five years, I, I, I think I might rather have a recruiting coordinator as a head coach. Um, just because then it leaves space for like a Dan Landing to just come in and say, yeah, I've got talent. I'll be like a decent coach and I'll win 10, 11 games. So, all right. Next up from Cam at Cam Bow. He asks, <laughs> uh, is Matt the one singing in the outro music? It sounds like him. You guys are legends. Uh, Matt, clear the air. Are you the one singing on our outro music? Yeah, very obviously. I'm shocked it <laughs> took this long to, for you have people a beautiful to, voice. to determine that. I really do. I'm pretty sick. I'd, I'd like break into it right now, but I'm, I'm pretty sick and like I just, I can't. Mm-hmm. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's true. He is sick. It is true. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that, uh, people praise us for the intro outro music all the time. Um, I'm really glad we, we, we got that because I was, we have Matt for that. We have Matt. Yeah. yeah thank God, Matt, you recorded that for us. <laughs> Every bit of our content is original. We don't steal from uh-huh. anybody. <laughs> We've never stolen anything. <laughs> we don't reproduce any trends. This is, this is all us, baby. But actually yeah. the, the song is called Superstars by Bruce James. It's if you want to check it out. I think it's uh you can download it for free to listen to. I think it's one of those royalty free things as long as uh, you have to pay to use it, obviously. But uh last one here from our buddy Dennis at Virgo Carpathian left a comment for us last week. He's back this week. Uh his comment this week. Quote, Pac-12 defenses suffer from adjusting to the overzealous officiating this year. We've all seen the impact the refs have had on games. DBs have to be dialing it back knowing they have a 30% chance of getting ejected for two quarters on any given play. In a year when Pac-12 offenses are rejuvenated by a slate of new coaches and talent, defenses are playing with one hand tied behind their back. I'm really curious what you all think about this. Uh, Do you think the officiating is giving an uneven advantage to the offenses this year in the Pac-12, and that's why we have so many explosive offenses? Greg, you want to start us off on this one? Do you buy this theory? I think there are some times, like we have seen a lot of the uh, drives that just happen because a quarterback underthrew three straight passes and got gifted with PIs because of it. But honestly, I don't think that's a massive problem in the Pac-12 as compared to other conferences, like the Big Ten especially. Uh, I think they have that problem a lot more. I think the problem in the Pac-12 that is leading to defenses suffering is that they're not good. Um, The offenses are just much better than the defenses, and I think that is the primary reason they're scoring so much. Yeah, we just talked about how the referees in USC, Arizona were letting them play and letting them hand fight and just stopped calling defensive pass interference. And the offensive scored the offense has scored ninety-two points. Like <laughs> there is definitely something to be said about just what the um what the rules of football are now as compared to ten years ago and and the way that the game is officiated. But like even the SEC is is hitting totals in the seventies and eighties. This vaunted defense that are the defenses are supposedly at the level that that NFL defenses are, and it's just it, you're still scoring points. You gotta score 35 if you want to win a ball win a football game. I agree with Greg and Matt. I think especially Matt's point on some of the rules around college offenses and allowing for RPO blocking to go down the field three yards like that helps offenses a ton. I think that's more of a product. Uh, or that's more the reason why these offenses are having so much success and also just that the defenses are bad, like Greg said. That's a good point. I think that that's fair. Um, the officiating is is tough, but I don't know that it's uh, giving an uneven advantage to to some of the offenses in the, in the Pac-12. 
All right. Well, those are our questions. Thank you all. Send those in to at no truck stops pod at equity bro and at banana morphs at no pit stops at MF underscore read at brave grapes. And we'll try to get them on the show. Got several questions. So we're really, really excited to hear all that. All right. It's time to make some game predictions. Is this like the Google art, like AI art that you did just for our intros? <laughs> uh, no, I just did some weird shitty stuff on Audacity. I don't know what I'm doing. Shit, shitty, the operative word. Yes, that's right. Doing a lot of work there. <laughs> uh, no, no clue what I was doing, but it sounds a little spookier. It's definitely weird. It did. <laughs> All right. So spooky, yeah, some yeah. spooky predictions music to get us in the mood on this uh, lovely Halloween week. First up. Friday night, big game. Oregon State, the game of the week per read. Oregon State traveling to Seattle to play UW. UW is a three-point favorite. Both teams are 6-2. and two. Matthew Huberson, who wins, who covers? Friday night road teams, man. Um, Oregon State being ro- a road team nonetheless. Um, I, I think I have to pick UW to win and cover. Um, I don't love it because I think that Oregon State's defense is a, like – should feel very very good about their matchup in this game i just i don't think that uh that's that the beefs are going to be able to put up enough points in seattle grapes has washington so now we've got we've got two washington here reed who you got i want to pick oregon state so badly i think their secondary could give them a chance here but given what home teams have done in the conference i'm gonna have to go with washington Mm, interesting interesting (laughs) greg you're gonna step up you're gonna pick oregon state nope (laughs) (laughs) talent plus being at home uh uw uw's pick for me despite my love for this year's beef before carlos picks our buddy maddie swaz big or uh washington fan in the chat is very unhappy uh, to this point um, I, I think you might honestly make him end it all if you pick Washington here, Carlos. Just need you to know that you are the one doing this. <laughs> you all are fucking cowards. I'm picking Oregon State. You're crazy. <laughs> I think Oregon State has, has the best combination of defense and offense in the Pac-12. I don't know. But I don't care if they don't have bad. A, no, it's not. Not in Damian. They found something in Damian Martinez here. I think Oregon State's offense is good without a good quarterback. Ben Branson just needs to not be horrific he just needs to like be like average replacement level if he's average replacement level oregon state's beating washington they have a good defense great running game and if they have a net zero passing game that it should be better and i think defense travels well in the pac-12 Reed, you've got something to say do i get bonus points if i pick oregon state what's what's the math on our point system here you do get two points on a spread three to five and a half all right, I'll go Oregon State. I'm switching oh, it. I'm going Oregon State. All right, look at that. We switched. All right, so we got three Washington. Carlos two and Reed picking a game. Surely that'll be good. Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> although they did really well this yeah, week. Yeah, what are you talking about? I went five and zero. Oh, you dumb fucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, Saturday, twelve thirty Pacific. Wazoo traveling to Palo Alto to play Stanford. Wazoo is a four point favorite. Remarkably, these two teams are just one game apart here. Wazoo is four and four, and Stanford is three and five. Nonetheless, Reed, who wins? Who covers? I have absolutely no faith in Wazoo here. It is such a <laughs> prove it game for them, but I have to believe my eyes from early in the season. So I'm gonna go with Wazoo, even though I absolutely hate it. Yeah, Greg, I I feel very similar. On the one hand, Wazoo has just been so unimpressive recently. 
On the other hand, Stanford's really bad. <laughs> and so I just... I'm confused. Come back to me later. I'll, I'll figure something out by then. Okay, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> Sicko's game of the week. Oh! Ew! Dude! What the fuck? Um, I honestly think we may see Tanner McKee die in this game. <clears throat> uh, the slow mesh with how aggressive this Wazoo front seven is, um, absolutely terrified for his safety. Um, I also, I just... I do think that the defense for Stanford is a problem with the way that they just do a really poor job tackling. So I am on Wazoo. Uh, I actually feel pretty good about it. Um, I don't. I don't. I think this is a really bad matchup for Stanford. Grapes has Wazoo also. Uh, here's the thing: is we've, we've talked about this. Like home teams have a decided advantage in the Pac-12. I Stanford is not your average home team. Mm. They almost beat Oregon State in, in Palo Alto. Uh, Stanford, I think. That was never in doubt. I think we can all say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am sure. Uh, God, this one's tough. Uh, who, wh- wh- let's look at Stanford's home record this year. They are 2-2. Two and two. They beat Colgate. Uh, they did beat Arizona State <laughs> at home. They almost beat Oregon State, and then they got their asses kicked by USC. I'm picking Stanford. I'm picking the home team. I know I probably shouldn't. I know Wazoo is supposed to be a better Thank team. Christ. I think they're on a downslide. They're supposed to be quality. I don't trust Wazoo right now. And if that offensive line, uh, look, Stanford got some pressure on DTR last night. They could absolutely get pressure against a horrific Washington offensive line. Give me, give me Stanford. I'm going to do it. All right, Greg, you decide. Do you have a pick? I have decided. Uh, Matt made good points, and so I'll pick Wazoo. Okay. Uh, at do we have a time? Do, did we have these like six day holds from the media people on uh, on like three of these games? Do we, ha- do we have time for Oregon? Oh, they they did release the team. All right. So then at twelve thirty, number eight Oregon is traveling to Boulder to play Colorado. Oregon is a twenty nine point favorite. <laughs> Craig, does Oregon cover? <laughs> Carl Durrell is gone, and that has changed everything I thought I knew about Colorado. (laughs) Last year, when I picked Oregon to cover against Colorado, it went horribly because Mario Cristobal is a war criminal. (laughs) But Dan Dan Lanning's a good coach, and so I'm going to take Oregon to cover that spread. Yeah, I am. I am a principled individual. I bet on uh, bet on Colorado to cover their spread. They did cover the spread, but I did it in ways that that meant that I ended up losing. So, um, back to my principles. I am absolutely on Oregon to cover. Can't wait to get further pissed about them and their garbage time bullshit. Yeah, Reed. Yeah, I'll go with Oregon to win and cover. I think. Okay. Yeah. Grapes also has Oregon covering. Throw me in there. Fuck it. Uh, I kind of think that Oregon might get into this thing where it sits on the ball and Colorado scores some garbage time touchdowns. They seem to be, I don't know, competent enough. No, uh, let me rephrase this. They seem to not be (laughs) horrific nuclear trash offensively enough to maybe score a couple garbage times, but Oregon's just so much better than Colorado. I'm just going to hope that they go up like 40 to zero and, you know, the garbage time points are like 11 points from Colorado. Okay. At, let's see if we have a time for this one. At 7.30, ooh, spooky. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 
Number 12, UCLA, travels to Tempe to play ASU. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> ASU 5. <laughs> Why are you making that face? It is spooky. You're such a you're, you're such a wet blanket, Matt. Get in the holiday spirit, will you? <laughs> <laughs> ASU fighting for bowl eligibility. UCLA fighting for a shot at the Pac-12 title game. UCLA is an 11-point favorite. Matt, who wins, who covers? Man, I don't know how to evaluate Arizona State anymore. Um, I'll pick UCLA just because I'm not that dumb. Or, or I, uh, the witch is not in my head currently, so I feel good about that. Um, this one, I I think Arizona State might be able to score with them, though. I, I, I think Arizona State could totally cover 11 points. Uh, Grapes, is, Grapes is doing it. She's doing it. <laughs> I think the the bad vibes picks I know have not like done well record wise, but every single game that Graves has picked as a bad vibes game has had bad vibes when we've actually gone down to it. Yeah, and and I haven't believed any of them though. This one I actually believe. Oh god, this one's <laughs> tough. Uh, I'm assuming that means Graves is picking ASU here. Um, I Craig, you pick. Oh man, I. I'm going to take UCLA because they have the best two players in the game. However, it, I definitely feel the bad, the bad vibes as well, uh, so I'm scared. Do we know Do we know if DTR uh, is celiac? No, I don't know. Probably well, not. a joke. <laughs> God damn it. Celiac? Right. <laughs> but why? That's a white people thing. Baguette, bread, carbs. Oh, toast, I see. Whatever. I see. Uh, I, I think that was. I don't think I mean, it was I know, good. I think you. Gotta, I know what celiac is. Uh, I just didn't understand the connection to it's bread. It's a white people thing. I get it. It's fine. It was a stretch. No, it, I. It, it wasn't funny to white people either. That's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Reed, who wins? Who covers? UCLA, an eleven-point favorite on the road in Tempe. I need to come back somehow. I'm going to go with Arizona State, ride with the oh, bad vibes, and contradict goodness. what I said earlier in the episode about UCLA handling bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got UCLA winning this game. Imagine but, remembering what you said but, five minutes ago. Unbelievable. <laughs> couldn't be me. <laughs> uh, yeah, UCLA is going to win this one, but I think it's going to be close. I think that Arizona State is absolutely covering this game. is horrendous vibes. If UCLA can get out of this with just a win, I think I'd just I'd be fine with it. Um, it just has that bad of vibes. All right, so we're all picking UCLA to win. Some of us have us uh, have ASU covering. So, all right, at 4:30 Pacific, the Cardiac Cats of Arizona traveled to Salt Lake City to play number 14, no now number 12 Utah. Utah is an 18 point favorite read who went to this covers. line has scared me off of picking arizona i want to given the injury situation for utah but i'm still at home gonna go with utah arizona covers though grapes has utah winning but arizona covering this 18 point spread i am going to say utah wins and covers this spread i think utah's i think after the bye week Maybe Utah has found something defensively. I truly think that we're going to see some sort of resurgence out of them, setting up a, a pretty interesting game in Eugene in a couple of weeks. So that's that's my pick. Utah to win and cover. Greg, what about you? It feels like a ridiculously large line to me. So I'm still going to pick Utah to win because they're at home, but Arizona to cover for sure. Matthew Ebertson. 
I'd like to tell y'all a story about the 2019 uh, Utah versus USC game where Utah had one really good defensive back and a bunch of pretty kind of okay defensive backs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those defensive backs were really you good. Have weird, Greg, you have up. weird I'm nostalgia. A story. You have weird nostalgia. I'm telling a story, team. Greg. So they all got drafted. I'm That's not even like... a story. I'm telling a story. Uh... What, USC had absolute gods at the wide receiver position and a quarterback that um, most people would say was uh, capital B bad. Uh, USC carried, uh, just bombed their way to a pretty convincing win against that Utah team. Um, I think that this defense that back, USC team had a defense. Shut up, Greg. I'm telling a story <laughs> during sad hours. <laughs> I'm on Arizona to win this game. Oh I think God. that the Arizona wide receivers are that good. And I think that the way that they win this game is actually immune to a bad Jaden Delora performance. Great. I considered this. I'm not going to lie. I considered this. But the fact that it's at home led me to stay with Utah. I get it. I get it. I'm on Arizona win. It's just me. Absolutely. Fuck no. You guys are crazy. Grapes is in the chat saying that it's unfair that people think she's unhinged when Matt just said this and says that Arizona has the worst power five defense. Uh, and she also adds. I'm aware. And she also adds pig boy cooking. Uh, pig boy absolutely cooking here. It doesn't matter. They don't need camp rising. You guys are. What is wrong with you? Have you seen Utah play in Salt Lake City? It feels to, like they're fucking. This has nothing to do with them. This has nothing to do with what Utah can do on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> okay, I'm picking Utah to Matt, win. You're, you're going to pay Arizona for your of the 2019 Utah secondary. They deserve better than this. Arizona is going to have a 27 percent success rate and win this game. <laughs> I don't even care. Like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm picking Utah to to win and cover. I think you all are. You, you, my goodness. <laughs> oh, weird shit from y'all. Okay. Well, those are our games. That's our show. Remember, we have a Pac-12 basketball episode coming out Tuesday morning. Check that out on our feed to Do get we, ready for the season to tip sir, off. Sir, Cal USC. God damn. Did we? I appreciate the USC erasure as much as the next Oh, guy. yeah. God. Okay. Start the music again. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Unbelievable. What is wrong with me? No, Cal- I, I had no idea. Yeah. All right. I Didn't guess. Cal fans say that we were ignoring them? <laughs> They're <laughs> so right. <laughs> Did they say that? Come on now. After what they've done, it's time for them to be ignored. All right. Pac-12 After Dark. Also, 730 Pacific. Cal travels to LA to play USC. USC is an 18-point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? Um, USC wins and covers. I don't Actually, no. USC wins. Cal covers because Jaden Knott is once again playing a bad run defense. So, yeah. Uh, it's very funny. As soon as I said we're out of here, Grapes left. <laughs> I didn't send her pick for this game. <laughs> She's picking USC. I'm, She's, I feel pretty confident. She, she'll, she'll pick USC. Yeah. Matthew Richardson, who are you picking and who are you picking to cover? USC. Yeah, no hesitation from any of us. Why don't you all make me put the you- music back on? USC is going to be on there. We don't. We don't like the music. We never know like the music. It's always been a you thing. Um, Cal, USC is going to be on their interception bullshit in this game. I'm, I'm betting over over three and a half turnovers for US, uh, the USC defense. Uh, Jake Palmer doesn't turn the ball over that much. Eh, shut up. I don't care. Turn the music off. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> can't believe you hate the music. I love that music. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show. Finally. We do have. I'm ready to sing. Let we, me do the outro. 
Okay, go ahead. Do the outro then. <laughs> no, do your thing. You're good. Uh, we have a Pac-12 basketball episode. Again, coming out Tuesday morning. Check that out. Um, spoiler, Arizona, USC, UCLA, Oregon, all going to be pretty good. And UW, Wazoo, and Stanford also might be pretty good. So, uh, and, and Utah is actually someone's surprise team. So if you want to hear more about any of those teams, maybe those are one of your teams, go check that out. Otherwise, for more football contact, contact? content go check out our patreon at nortruckstops.com uh, i'm also trying to write up a very long pack 12 basketball preview i hope to drop that soon so that'll also be on our uh, on our patreon okay that's reed that's matt that's greg no grapes today she's moving congratulations to her i'm carlos thank you for listening and remember there are no truck stops here gronk be our new daddy I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city.